Hi everyone, I'm Cami Mondo, Editor-in-Chief of The Forum, and this is Office Hours, a chance to step inside the office of people around the Westminster community and hear about a topic they specialize in. I'm here today with Mike Zarkin, a political science professor and the chair of the Department of Politics and Justice Studies. Thanks for joining me today, Mike. Thank you. So today we'll be discussing the impeachment process and answering student questions on the current inquiry on President Trump. So right now it seems like we're in uncharted territory as it's completely unprecedented for a sitting president to have an impeachment inquiry hanging over them with a re-election bid still in the near future. So to begin, Mike, I think it would be helpful to just clear some confusion and clearly define what impeachment is and what it entails. So in simple terms, what exactly is impeachment? So it's a process that comes to us on faded parchment from the British system, which we adopted when we adopted our Constitution. And it's a process that we put in place to have a kind of a safety valve. We're supposed to have separation of powers. We're supposed to have three independent branches of government. But it's kind of understood that there's a lot of potential for them to become like a monarch if they become too independent. So the question becomes, how do you preserve the separation of powers but have a safety valve, you know, a process where under extraordinary circumstances you can remove the president from office when they become corrupt or a danger to the state or have violated the, the law or have done something that's severely unbecoming of the office of the presidency. The exact language is that they can be removed for treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors, which extends beyond things that are just illegal. I think that that precedent has been set, but they, they have to be fairly severe missteps. What happens under that process if a president is accused of any of those things, it first comes up in the House of Representatives, which is the body that officially impeaches, which is kind of like an indictment. So what would need to happen would be that there would typically be an investigation. The House becomes aware that the president has done something that might violate the law, violate the Constitution in a way that they may need to consider impeachment. So they do an investigation. Did those things, in fact, happen? Are they serious enough to warrant removing the president? They would then draw up articles of impeachment that would need to be voted on by the full House of Representatives. And if a majority of the House of Representatives voted to adopt any of those articles of impeachment, they would then be forwarded to the Senate, which would effectively hold a trial that could result in the president being removed from office if two-thirds of the senators voted in favor of any of the articles of impeachment. Gotcha. And so I think something that people get confused a lot is that impeachment and removing from office are two different things. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. We tend to talk about impeachment is the entire process, but technically that word really refers to what happens in the House of Representatives, which is more akin to an indictment, whereas what the Senate does is more akin to an actual trial that would follow. Can we just like walk through the impeachment process, beginning with the initial inquiry? How is that first placed? So it starts with the Committee on the Judiciary in the House of Representatives. They would be conducting the investigation. And in past times, apparently, it started with a, a vote of the full House to undertake an impeachment inquiry. I guess that happened when Clinton was impeached and with the various judges that were impeached over the years. That's not an actual rule of the House anymore that that has to happen, but it looks like now they're going to do it. I guess Speaker Pelosi thinks maybe it'll give it a little more legitimacy. But there's already an investigation going on, and that's really the first major step. The judiciary is going to look at relevant documents. They're going to subpoena witnesses. 
And the Congress does have that power. They can subpoena people to testify in committee hearings. And those subpoenas carry the same weight as they would in a court of law. They're a little harder to enforce. A judge can just haul somebody into court and declare them in contempt and have them hauled off to jail. It's a little more complicated with Congress. They usually have to go to court. But they can do that, and we see that they are doing it. They've issued a number of subpoenas, and many executive branch officials have chosen to comply with those subpoenas and testify. Others have not. They've cited the president's executive privilege, which is something that, of course, is being litigated in court. Right now, it appears that those uh, court challenges seem to be going Congress's way for the most part. So that initial inquiry kind of jump starts the investigation. And so then what happens after that? Well, at some point, they're going to wrap this up, I guess, when they are satisfied that they have enough evidence. And, I, and there's two things going on here. I mean, there's the issue of meeting a certain evidentiary burden, that these are serious offenses. They're, they're documented. They're proven that the, the president is responsible. Direct, the bad conduct can be traced directly to the president. We owe that to the president of the United States. It's a very serious, solemn thing to remove a president from office. But also, I think there's a political component to it. One of the reasons these investigations are thorough and they take so long is because the Congress is trying to bring the American people along with them. You know, if you've looked at public opinion polls, the American public's not overwhelmingly sold on the idea of removing this president from office right now. But the hope is that through the investigation and through the publicity around it, as more facts and information comes out, they will bring the public along with them. That's particularly important to getting a conviction in the Senate uh, where you need a two-thirds majority. So they're, they're going to do the investigation. It's going to be thorough. At some point, uh, the, the final bills of impeachment will be drawn up. They will be presented to the full House and a vote will be taken, and then it would be forwarded to the Senate, which would then presumably hold a trial. In the case of impeachment of a president, the Chief Justice of the United States, John G. Roberts, would be called on to preside at that trial. And so like now it's just like specifically focused on Trump. So I've talked to just a few students on campus who've had some confusion on the current situation and some questions that they've had. Um, first, there's just the question of what exactly Trump did that ignited this inquiry. Well, the of course, the immediate thing is the allegation and the preliminary evidence that he tried to um, basically leverage an investigation by the Ukrainian government into one of his political opponents. But I think if you look at the, you know, the past... Well, two-plus years of this presidency going on three years, it's kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, really, because, I mean, there have been numerous allegations that involved him um, interacting with foreign governments in inappropriate ways, trying to, some people would say, personally enrich himself financially at the expense of the, the American people and the federal government, which is a violation of the Constitution, the Emoluments Clause. So those are, you know, the issues that Congress has been exploring. Uh, I think right now the focus is on, though, the Ukrainian situation, because that seems to be where the most evidence lies, tying this thing back to Trump himself. And then why do you think that this is something that has finally been deemed an impeachable offense? Because, like you said, there have been several situations before where people have considered it, but why do you think this is something that they're really jumping on? Well, it's, it's, it's a pretty serious thing, I think, for a president to try to engage a foreign government in, in uh, investigating their opponent. It may be legal. It's certainly unbecoming of the office of the president. Um, 
it's it's one in a series of things that has I think led the Democratic Party in Congress's base to solidify behind the idea of impeachment. And it also seems to be the case that th this is the, the offense where the evidence is really piling up. And just so we can catch up some listeners, maybe if they don't understand what exactly um, Trump did with Ukraine, can we kind of dive into what this phone call was? So apparently what happened is the Congress had uh, appropriated aid, foreign aid, to the Ukrainian government. And during a phone call, President Trump urged uh, the, the head of the Ukrainian government to begin an investigation of Joe Biden's son, who had been on the board of companies that were doing business over there. I guess there had been some allegations of shady dealings, and he was trying to leverage an investigation. And what they're looking to see is whether foreign aid, which was kind of withheld for a while, was withheld for political reasons. It was withheld as a way to try to leverage that investigation by the Ukrainian government, which would, I think, be viewed in the eyes of many as a, a corrupt practice, using the uh, using enlisting a foreign government and trying to attack your political opponents, generally not something that's viewed favorably. Right. So generally speaking, like if they find that he is guilty of that, that would be the impeachable offense. I expect that that would be at the top of the list. Something else that could find its way into the discussion is obstruction of justice. You know, he has, uh, to this point, done everything he can not to cooperate with this investigation. It doesn't seem to be working for him right now because people are being subpoenaed and a number of them are testifying anyway. Um, but if he does too much to impede this investigation, that could find its way into the bills of impeachment. I think it certainly in the case of the other presidents that were impeached. They were, there was one of the charges against, I think, both Nixon, who was not formally impeached, but was close to being in, as well as um, uh, Bill Clinton. So if he actually refuses to cooperate, that can be used against him as well? I think so. But, you know, I think the, the preference, the, the uh, Democratic majority in the House would be that they can show um, that there was a, a corrupt bargain struck with the Ukrainian government or an attempt to strike a corrupt bargain that can be traced all the way back to the president. And they hope that the American people will take that seriously. So now that we have like this inquiry that's underway, where exactly do you think they're going to go from here? Like how long does this investigation usually take? I mean, would it be over by the time his term is finished or? I think it will be over by the time his first term is finished. Will it be over by the end of this year, this calendar year? I'm less certain. You know, Congress, um, once, you know, shortly after Thanksgiving, I believe, goes into recess. It's possible that, you know, the House of Representatives will wrap up its work by the end of the year, but certainly I think by early next year, and then it's going to be up to the Senate to try to do something about this and, and see if they will move forward with the trial. And so what would happen after the investigation? Like, let's say Trump was found guilty by the House and he was impeached, but he wasn't removed from the office. I mean, would he be allowed to run for re-election? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so, I mean, are there, like, any consequences then for him if he's impeached but not removed? Well, I think the consequences would certainly be historical legacy, which would be tarnished. He was one of a handful of presidents to be impeached by the House of Representatives. That will be attached to his name forever. Um, I think the hope was something like this. This is how, you know, I think back to, you know, Henry Hyde, 
who was the chairman of the Judiciary Committee that ran the impeachment proceeding against Clinton, you know, his hope was that even if it didn't succeed, it kind of chastened the president, that, you know, they, you know, they would have this attached to their name for all time. Maybe they would even, you know, acknowledge and apologize for what they did. Kind of comes out of the sense, too, that there needs to be accountability. Even if it doesn't succeed, I think there's a sense that if you want to have a republic based on the rule of law, there's some things you just can't let go. That's certainly the way the um, Republican majority in the House put it back in 98 during the Clinton impeachment. And I think that's kind of the place that the Democrats have gotten to now under this administration. Do you think if he was impeached, it would affect his poll numbers at all? It seems that, um, you know, Trump supporters are only supporting him more strongly now with the impeachment going on. Do you think it would hinder his chances of being reelected or just kind of strengthen that? I don't know. I think it certainly depends on the timing. You know, if it's settled early enough in the year and he do- he isn't removed from office and the economy remains strong, I think it is entirely conceivable that he could be reelected president. That this to being impeached by the House of Representatives in and of itself wouldn't stop that, certainly not legally, and I don't know that it would stop it politically either. I don't see his base abandoning him over that. Possibly some swing voters, uh, if there are uh, many of those out there, that would certainly be the deciding factor. Speaking of the swing voters, do you think that they would be more inclined to vote against him since he was impeached or more likely to vote for him since he was impeached but not removed? That's a very good question. I don't know. You know, Clinton was an interesting kind of case study because his numbers continued to, in, you know, increase, his get better during the impeachment process. Uh, the economy was good. Some people would tell you that they thought that if he could have run for a third term, he would have been reelected. Nixon it was interesting. His poll numbers did drop precipitously in the, the weeks and months, couple of months leading up to Watergate. Uh, but there is always this kind of theory out there about Nixon, that it wasn't Watergate that got Nixon impeached, but it was inflation. The public turned on him because the economy was kind of going downhill, and you can kind of compare him and Nixon, and it lends a little bit of evidence to that theory, right? I mean, that was, I think you could argue one of the major differences there is that the economy was good at the time that this was going on under Clinton. People just didn't want to see him removed from office. That's not the only thing. I mean, I think there are differences in the severity of the allegations across these presidents. But I think that's something that probably should be kept in mind by anybody that assumes that if this man is impeached by the House, he's dead politically. I don't think that's the case at all. So, like, on the other hand, let's say he was removed from office. Um, There are also, like, student questions or concerns on what would happen if, you know, he were removed, like, who would replace him? And it would be Vice President Pence. Is that correct? That is correct. You know, I don't... um, I don't know exactly what that would look like because we've never removed a president from office. Um, but the what I imagine would happen is after the vote is taken, Mike Pence would be in the chamber of Congress. He's the president of the Senate constitutionally as vice president. I imagine he would be there while the vote is being announced. The chief justice, of course, presides over the trial. So I would imagine what would happen is the chief justice would walk over to Mike Pence and swear him in as president. And that would kind of be that. It would just kind of be like an immediate thing. I think it would be an immediate thing. Yes, once the vote is announced, Mike Pence would become president. And if Mike Pence somehow got roped into this whole impeachment process and was also removed from office, what would happen then? Then Nancy Pelosi would become president. And she would just finish out the term? 
she would finish out the term and would, of course, have the choice to, I suppose, run for a term of her own. Interesting. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, If you would like to hear more from the forum, make sure to follow us on social media at WC Forum Media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, be sure to check out the rest of our content on our website, wcforummedia.com. 